Hello, I'm Olivia Braffman and welcome to If She Can, I Can, the podcast that aims to edge all of us ambitious women that little bit closer to navigating how on earth we get the high-flying career we love and have kids without totally burning yourself out and challenges the role society thinks we're supposed to play in it all. How? By talking each week to inspiring women who have proven the statistic wrong and have done just that. Let's get into it. I am so excited to be joined today by M. Friedman, renowned Australian TV and radio presenter. Starting out doing the weather, M. quickly worked her way through the ranks and became a well-known face covering different sports across Australian TV's biggest channels, notably Nine Network hosting the world of sports and Sports Sunday and covering the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. If you didn't catch her face presenting, you may have seen her in 2015, not just taking part in, but winning the 15th season of Dancing with the Stars. She most recently joined Channel 7 to host Sydney Horse Racing, which, for those that don't know, is a huge deal in Australia, all the while being a wonderful mother to two gorgeous little humans. Um, A huge welcome to the podcast. Oh, Olivia made me feel very welcome, and after a a long day let's be honest we're recording on other sides of the world at the moment different time slots during the day it was a, a much needed pep talk that I needed so thanks for that you are so welcome you are so welcome I want to take it back what was life like for you growing up and how do you think that almost influenced the person that you are now? Oh, that's a good question. So my father was a horse trainer and that's where my love of racing comes from. And my mum was an equestrian who then transitioned to work with my father and, and then become more or less a full-time mother. But in terms of, I guess, what they were like and how that might have influenced me going up and how I almost parent and work nowadays is that I'm a really big believer in hard work. They're incredibly hard workers. My dad still is a, is a really hard worker still into his sixties today. Nothing comes for nothing. So, you know, still my children, my little boy, Will, he's four, his job at home at the moment is to feed the dog twice a day. And <laughs> if he does that every day of the week, he can get a dollar. And so we give him a dollar at the end of the week and he's saving money. Um, We're going on a big family trip at the start of next year. And he has said he wants to save all his money to buy a a cuddly, like a soft cuddly toy. So that's something that I guess I learned from a young age as well. And I think the other aspect of my childhood was was I was surrounded by a lot of different people. So the heart and soul of my dad's operation, you know, they're, they're middle class people who love horses and they work their butts off. And on the other hand, he's trained for, you know, some of the most well-known and and wealthy people around the world. So I like to think that I can mix it with all sorts and treat everyone equally. So yeah, they're kind of the, I guess, the pillars of my upbringing and hopefully what I'm passing on to my kids as well. I love that so much. And I love that your four-year-old is already earning earning his money. I'm so mean, Liv. Like if we go to the supermarket and you know what kids are like people say oh mum or Edie my little girl as well mummy can we get a, a yogurt or can we get a you know there would be in a lolly aisle can we get a lollipop and I often say I'm really sorry kids but we don't have money for that today and that might be the case it might not be the case but to say that you don't just get everything you 
ask for in life. And that's sometimes a hard thing for, you know, there's tanties involved with parenting like that. Hopefully they learn the value of a dollar like I did growing up. Yeah, I was raised exactly the same. And I always, at the time, I was always like, everyone else just gets bought all these things. And I don't get bought these things. I have to buy them myself or whatever. But it's so funny that even if you were that kid that was so annoyed that you'd have to work for things. It's so funny that when you become a parent, you are the same parent as the way you were parented. (laughs) So funny, isn't it? I know. I would have been really frustrated, I'm sure, by when I was younger, but it's held me in good stead now. And, you know, there's other things that you hope to be in life that, you know, my kids are too. Hardworking and good to be around for everybody is are two things. But, you know, kindness is another thing. I hope my kids are kind. I think generally I'm a fairly kind and fair person. I'm full of energy and yeah, they're things my parents were as well. So I'm a chip off the old block, so to speak. Clearly. So I feel like TV presenter or radio presenter is like one of those careers that lots of children Mm. would maybe say they want to be when they grow up it's one of those kind of big dream careers was that the case for you is this always the kind of path that you intended to take from a really young age when I was really young I wanted to do like musical theater but I can't sing to save myself so that was just out the window um the other thing I dreamt of doing when I was really young was some kind of sport professionally I was a pretty fast runner in primary school, like, you know, 100 and 200 metres hurdles were good because I was always little and flexible, but that was never going to eventuate. And then I guess when I got to high school, I realised that I loved sport and I was good at talking (laughs) and I had a lot of energy and I had the marks to get into a course revolving around journalism and media and marketing and communication. So I didn't necessarily have the idea of being on air the whole time, but I wanted to be involved in that world. And I still to this day, while a lot of my job is on air, whether it be working for Seven, doing horse racing, doing the footy, doing Bathurst, which is, you know, a big motor race that we have down here every year. And it's massive. I've done that the last couple of years. I want to do the Women's World Cup in only a couple of weeks time. Whilst I'm on air for those roles, I do do a fair bit of off-air stuff as well, producing pieces for our coverage. And yeah, there's like a lot of writing involved, which I love. I love the writing side of it. If I could do more writing, I would. So yeah, I definitely had dreams of being in this this world. I guess it's a bonus that I've ended up in a job that I really, really love and I treasure. Yeah. How did you go about getting into it? So you mentioned that you did a course that was kind of centered around lots of things going on within that space, but actually getting a job within it, how did all of that happen for you? So I ended up while I was studying, I also was working at a radio station in Melbourne called 3AW, which is a big talkback station, but they do do a lot of sport. I think I was earning like, I don't know, would have been like 16 or $17 an hour answering phones. So that's when, you know, people call up and they're like, I want to speak to so-and-so and I hate this football team and I want to tell everyone how bad a player this person is or whatever it is. So I was working the phones every night on a show that was primarily about AFL. And that gave you some introductions into definitely into the the media world. But the opportunity for me to really go on air actually came, I was at a party. <laughs> I'd had a few drinks and I was like 19 years old, which is, I mean, I'm mortified even even thinking about this story, to be honest. I met one of the producers on the show who is a wonderful guy called Matt Mitchell. And he said, we've got an opening. One of our guys is going on leave. He's going on holidays for like 
two weeks in a couple of months time do you want to fill in you'd be fun I went yeah yeah great and I never thought anything about it and then a couple of weeks later I got a call and well we hear that you'd be pretty fun would you like to fill in it was like a summer break so it's not like ratings were super important at this period of time so that was with channel nine and then that was in the middle of the year and then I think I just kept plugging away doing bits and pieces doing what I was told doing things that I was asked to do and by the start of the next year an availability came up to do their weekend weather on the Today Show. So I was traveling Friday, Saturday, Sundays, going to all different places around not only Australia, but around the world doing the weather. And whilst that wasn't necessarily in the sport realm that I wanted to be in, there was opportunities around it to learn and to contribute to the sports programming on the network, including their racing. So yeah, that's how I, (laughs) I didn't really, my degree was like, rendered useless in the end <laughs> I'm glad I did it but also sometimes those degrees are really important and the more I chat to people in my particular line of work in sports media not too many people have them <laughs> I feel like that is definitely the more common angle that mm. people's degrees don't necessarily get them the job that they want but you know great experience and and all that but Wow, that chance meeting and clearly M after a few drinks makes a good impression. Ah, yeah. As a potential TV presenter. I just think after a couple of drinks, I start, you know, cracking jokes. And I mean, I do that in regular life, but I think when I've had a couple of champagnes on a Tuesday night or whatever it was, I was obviously having a good old time. And yeah, I've got Matt to thank for the opportunity to fill in on that show. And at the same time, I mean, my father in Australian sporting circles, he's pretty well known and people would have known whose daughter I was, which there's a part of me that's like definitely might have opened a few more doors. I don't love saying that, but it probably did. In the end, I'm not sure I would have gotten the same opportunity if I didn't have him as a dad. You know, the same in everyone's roles. Can't be still here how many years later if I'm not doing something right. I think that's the important thing. You know, I think you've got to use whatever network you have around you because why wouldn't you leverage that? But ultimately, that's not going to get you to the top. Oh, no. And a 30, 40 year career, like hard work is going to get you that talent's going to get you that and and only you can channel that just because of your network. It's not going to necessarily get you to those heights. I think so. And I think it's good to admit that, you know, in my position, many other people's work lives as well, you get an opportunity often because of who you know. And in my case, a little bit in my case, but I think about people in my industry as well. If you wanted to become an assistant trainer in racing, well, you're going to need to know someone. You can't just do that. You can't just do a degree and do it. You got to know someone to get you in somewhere and then to learn from and be apprenticed to and whatever it is. So the same in goodness, nearly every other industry, if you wanted to run your own fund one day, well, you don't just wake up and have millions of dollars to be able to do that. I'm sure there's a networking process and meeting people and people introducing you to other people. And it's the same in any job. Yeah, mine's probably just a little bit more public. No, you're so right. You're so right. Just help me understand. First time there's a camera on you, there's a little red button flashing because you're live. What did that feel like? I remember being really nervous because I just didn't know what I was doing. But for me, Yeah, I definitely encountered some amount of nerves for the first few years, but nowadays they're almost gone. Like doesn't even, I know that sounds really strange, but it just feels like that's your shift and that's what you do and that's your work. Obviously on the big days that we do, I'll get a bit jittery and I'm, oh, how exciting is this? And really pumped up. But yeah, those first few days, I remember we were in South Australia and going, so what do I do? And, you know, learning kind of the format and the way it worked and 
Mm. how you would pick up the, you know, whatever it is. It sounds really nitty gritty and intricate, but I did go, this is weird. And I think I got off air and everyone went, that was, that was okay. It was good. Fuck that shit. Like it was obviously bad. (laughs) And had a laugh. And then the great thing with breakfast television is, especially with the weather, you get five or six opportunities a morning to to do your cross. So you'll do different crosses throughout the morning. But I think, yeah, you'd get five or six different cracks of it each morning. And that repetition and that practice is what helps you get better and better and learn what works, learn what doesn't, learn the behind the scenes part of it, which is almost more important than the on-air way you do things because the production of it and learning how the camera works and how it moves and how your sound equipment works and all that kind of stuff that's very important to be able to work with a team because at the end of the day you're traveling with three or four other people and you need to understand their jobs they need to understand yours and yeah I'm sure day one was I've never looked back on it I I wouldn't dare go and delve through the archives to find it because I oh my god I'd die I'd probably die of embarrassment (laughs) Oh my gosh, I can't even imagine. I'm just like oh. nervous even thinking about the the prospect of that day, but look where it's got you. What has the journey been like? What, what's the journey been like to get to this point? Has it been smooth sailing? Has it been difficult? I don't know how it works in your world. If you're, are you employed by a channel? Are you actually self-employed and just contracted? Like walk me through what, what the journeys look like. Yeah, that's the confusing part. And that's one of the difficult parts of my industry is there's people who operate as an employee of a network. I actually operate as my own business and I contract. That has its ups and downs because you obviously are not tied to one employer often for a really long period of time. Like those connections and those relationships are ongoing, but there's always an element of uncertainty about your employment. And then you've got all the other fun stuff, like the tax and the bass and all that kind of, you know, stuff that you have to do with it. I'm not good with, which I manage, but manage only fairly. The journey itself... The journey, the classic, the journey. <laughs> it's been good. It's There have been ups and downs. There's been times where I have struggled with employment. There have been times where I feel overworked. And then right now I feel like I've really hit the jackpot and I've found a super balance that works well for me and my family. It's everything that I'm doing in my line of work at the moment I absolutely love. Like there's not a job that I come up and go, oh, I don't want to do that. Everything I want to do, I'm loving everything. I love the people I work with at the moment. The hours are unconventional, but I've only ever known unconventional hours, so that's not a problem for me. The travel can get a little tricky sometimes when you've got small children, but I, again, have only ever known traveling for work. So again, that suits me. Yeah. So it's definitely, it's not cut and paste nine to five. As you see, it is how you get it. There's, you know, I work every Saturday. I travel Friday nights, Saturday nights, like all the fun stuff. Like I miss weddings. I miss birthdays and stuff. I make enough of it happen you mentioned you've kind of hit that point now where you've sort of struck the right balance of having your family and obviously getting enough time with them and doing all of the jobs that you really enjoy what does that balance actually look like to you yeah so the balance if we're talking actual days wise is I work three to four days a week they're very intense three to four days and then I'm with my kids the other three to four days so still on the other days I'm working if I'm in Sydney I see them in you know in the morning to drop them off to daycare or kindy and then to pick them up and do dinner bath and bed yeah for me at the moment about four days of work three four days of work is enough for me I think that 
it's not necessarily why the balance is right because of looking at it from a time perspective. It's because I love what I do at the moment. So I don't see it as work. It's not hard work. It's not difficult. I have to put in a lot of hard work to do it, but I don't wake mm. up going, oh, I've got to work today. I wake up going, yes, I've got to work today. So wow. that's why the balance I think is good at the moment and you know credit to my husband as well he's terrific with having the children particularly on a Saturday he has them all day on a Saturday when I'm working and I think that's good for him as well I think it's really good for working dads to have a solo day with their kids you know it might not be every week time not not allow that but in our family it does and I think it works really well is he in a more traditional you can't see me but I'm doing the like bunny ear things with my hands is he in like a normal job (laughs) yes he's in a normal job he's in a nine to five normal job so he would work eight till 5 30 so still long hours monday to friday doesn't work weekends doesn't work nights my job during the week is more looking up especially monday tuesday wednesdays is having the kids and looking after them and doing all that kind of mum stuff and making sure the household is running smoothly those three days whilst also like cramming in work around it so Today is a Tuesday, for example, and when he got home at 5.30 tonight, I had to race into my little voice booth here and do some voiceovers. So I do still work on these days, but they're like little bits and I kind of can fit them around. And that's the beauty of my work is sometimes early in the week, I can kind of shuffle things around a little bit and make things happen. But I don't know if you could necessarily have two people in really non-traditional jobs parenting two kids the way we do it would be more difficult but lucky that one person does work Monday to Friday and the other person works nights and weekends yeah and look the amount of time that people want to spend with their kids I guess is personal to them like some actually they need to be at work the majority of the time and they want those kind of small pockets of joy at the beginning or the end of their day and that's totally fine for them and other people need a lot more time with their children I guess to feel fulfilled where do you sit on that do you feel like you spend enough time with your children there's never that resentment of because I'm doing this work I can't see my kids or maybe the other way around you know I wish I had more help where do you sit in terms of enough time with the kids the super question it's something that we don't talk enough about as mothers in particular, is how that is, that was a perfect way of putting it, is a scale and different people feel fulfilled by different amounts of time, whether it be with your kids or with work. For me, and I've learnt this, I mean, I had two kids 18 months apart during a pandemic, like amazing, but also wow that's not was of course filled with joy and you know I was there for every single milestone I didn't miss anything but I definitely came out of that going oh dear lord like I need some other bits in my life because this being at home all day every day seven days a week for what was it like two years like I think I started to go a little bit mental so say coming out of that now I love having a Sunday with the whole family. I think that's a, a great thing. That's our family day. And we very, very rarely would get help on a Sunday. That's just us. And then during the week, I get a lot of time with my daughter, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm with her nearly all three of those days as well. Um, She's two and my son goes to preschool. So that's like nine till three on a Monday and Tuesday. So like nitty gritty, I'm with my daughter a lot during the week. Having said that, like nine to three, it's like really not a lot of time away from the child. And then we have mummy day on a Wednesday, which is Edie, Will and myself on a Wednesday. And I see them in the morning before I drop them to daycare on Thursday, Friday, pick them up on Thursday afternoons. And then that 
Friday through Saturday night is my husband. And I don't know if it sounds like a lot of time with my kids or not a lot of time, but it feels like the right amount of time for me to feel fulfilled by their company from them being around me as well. Like I do every breakfast and dinner and whatnot. And for them to be, you know, Will's four, he's nearly at school. Like he can't be with me the whole time, which makes me sad. He's got to be out, you know, doing some preschool to be able to get ready for when he does go five days a week to school. I think the people who spend more time with their young children, I'm sometimes so incredibly in awe (laughs) of their patience. I think my patience by Wednesday night, and I've been with them like for four straight days, or my daughter for four straight days, and my son a lot of that as well. And they're at that, they fight, Liv. Like they don't stop fighting. (laughs) It's like (laughs) by Wednesday night, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to like really click into work now for the next three days. Like I'm ready. (laughs) So the balance is right for me. Yeah. No, I just always find it interesting because especially with you doing what you do, it sounds like you're in a kind of pattern at the moment where you've got your kind of set days that you work. But I was always intrigued because, you know, if it is one of those one day you're flying here, the next day you're kind of working nonstop for two weeks or three weeks, mm. and then you've got three weeks hiatus. All of a sudden, it becomes quite challenging to kind of balance that. But it sounds like you've kind of found a, some kind of pattern that allows you to work a schedule around. Yeah, there's definitely a pattern at the moment. Having said that, there's been times where I've done so I've done the Tokyo Olympics, I did the Beijing Winter Olympics, and I did the Commonwealth Games last year as well. So we had two Olympics and a Commonwealth Games all within like 15 months and they're big projects. Like the prep happens at night when they're in bed, like you sit there researching and prepping, but the actual time during the Olympics or the Commonwealth Games, that's a two and a half, three week block where you're working every day. Don't get me wrong. Those blocks are really, really hard because it relies on more input from your partner, more input from babysitters or aunties or uncles or daycare or whatever it is, which comes at a personal expense because you feel like you're not there for them, but also a financial expense as well. And also it comes at a cost to me because you're either like during the Commonwealth Games, I was getting to work at midnight, (laughs) working till 9am, either having my kids till 5pm as well, and then going to sleep for like five or six hours. If you could be, I mean, you can't, it's like, was near impossible. And then doing oh that for gosh. like two and a half, no, it gives you like a nightmare. But there you know that they're finite periods of time and those big events, they're the things that we want to work on in my line of work. Like that's what you do this job for. You do it for those big events. So mm. you gear yourself up for it and you get through it and you're fine on the yeah. other end. But yeah, you do hit, everyone talks about my big boss, Louis. He always says, you know, it gets to about day eight of an Olympics or a Commonwealth Games and you start going, oh my God, what is, what is this alternate universe that I'm living in? Because it's like nothing you've ever done. And then you come out two days later and you're like, oh, it's, it's going to be done in three days time. Oh, how sad. You're so like, oh, this has been the best experience. Yeah, I loved it. I want to do it again. So yeah, though, don't get me wrong. Those big events, they're very challenging, but yeah, we won't, I don't think I'll do Sadly, my, the network I work for at the moment doesn't have the next series of Olympic Games. So sadly, I won't get to do them for a while. And the next ones I possibly will get to do, say in 10 years time, my kids will be finishing like high school or mid high school by then if that ever were to come about. So that's different. Yeah, they'll be like, mom, we're good. You do you. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas when I was doing the Tokyo Olympics, Edie was seven months old. Like, what? Oh my God. That brings up a good point. When you had maybe your first, your second was kind of in amongst a pandemic, but your first was 
pre-pandemic. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, he was. Did you take time off? Were you like, I'm just going to take my year off or however long? Or in your industry, is it kind of need to be visible and present to continue you're self-employed. Yeah, I didn't do any TV and radio when I gave birth to Will. So I had like a couple of months off. Again, I was only working prior to Will's birth. I wasn't working five days a week either. I was on a reduced schedule. So that was fine. But I was back doing voiceovers and other bits and bobs really soon after. So with Will, it actually wasn't that soon after. I reckon with Will, it was like eight weeks, which I think is, I mean, it's not normal but I go all right weeks you can kind of manage with Edie I was six days postpartum with a baby on my boob doing voiceovers (laughs) and you go oh is that a pressure is it like jobs have just come in and you're like I gotta take them or is this like a pressure to unless I continue to be visible like I won't be asked to do the next job yeah so that's a contract that I've still got like that's just the way it is I'm contracted to do that work every week and she was also born during like the busiest time of like that contract each year so that's just the way it's just the way it is do I wish I'd had more mat leave I don't get mat leave so I work for myself so like I have to work to earn money and especially with Edie you know she was born six months into a pandemic same as everyone like you had work you were gonna do it like you didn't know Mm. you know how long it was gonna last how much time you would be out of work for like remembering during that time there weren't people you know going to sporting events like the broadcast patterns were really small because they couldn't have people everywhere you like you didn't have reporters everywhere so I just took it it's not something I like begrudge I wish there was more support maybe for women who own their own businesses who have babies like I just feels like that's not maybe a thing I know that you can get government support but um yeah it's true ignore the pressure bit you know I feel like I need to continue to show my face to work to continue to then be put forward for jobs it's the financial bits like I need to continue to contribute to my household or whatever it might be and that's really difficult when some people are getting paid for months on end not having to be at work and then other people get nothing I mean good on them like the people who have found work with a company that gives them this extraordinary maternity or paternity leave nowadays, like parental leave. Like I think it's amazing and it's nice to see Australia catching up with other parts of the world on that, particularly parts in Europe where, you know, it's 12 months off, like full pay, whatever it is. I think that's extraordinary. But in my situation, it didn't pan out in the best way in terms of I don't think there's many women who work for themselves who could take huge amount, like huge amounts of time off after having a baby, partially because you're running a business and there's no one else, like who's going to do it, but also because of the financial point of view. Like you can say, yeah, you could save and give yourself the time to recover. And there was a, you know, I did, I didn't go back working five days a week straight away after having babies, but I'm not a millionaire. Like I'm not (laughs) earning like squillions of dollars. You're earning a good wage, but You know, that has to be used on things like mortgages and I don't even get me started on our interest rates at the moment. And yeah, I think if you're not under some amount of financial pressure when you become a mum, like hats off to you. That's incredible. But I nearly every mother I know has had to go to weigh things up going, how do I do like, how do I do this to make sure that I have the quality of life that I want, but I'm also there experiencing those really beautiful months, first months with a with a newborn as well it's hard I mean I'm very much in awe because I currently am on leave at the moment I have a five month old oh congrats (laughs) thank you 
my brain doesn't function sometimes like I can't string a sentence together from one moment to the next and then I'm thinking of you and you're like you have to string a sentence together that is your job is to literally string sentences together and sound really articulate did you not experience this extreme I'm just experiencing it today that I'm experiencing all the time I feel like I'm experiencing it today like when I'm talking to you because it's the end of I've been with the kids all day and I'm like oh my lord like what am I talking about (laughs) yeah I did I think that's the sleep deprivation of it and also the fact that you've transitioned into this new life where you can't do anything you want at any given time. Like there's someone there who you need to look after. And I did love it. I think also coming from a background of always, you know, I've done breakfast radio and breakfast TV. Like my dad's a horse trainer, like always getting up early. I've probably been sleep deprived my whole life in a way. Like, do you get what I mean? I've always had work or family your baseline is like way below other people correct (laughs) having said that Liv I was so tired on Sunday night after working all day Saturday flying back from Brisbane Saturday night went over to my sister-in-law's house on Sunday with the kids and we had lovely lunch with all the kids and it was nice family day but you know I was wrecked by the end of it got to like 7 15 I said I'm going to bed (laughs) I went to bed it was the best thing the best decision of my week was going to bed at 7 p.m., 7.15 on a Sunday night. So, yes, I think my baseline is lower, but I definitely experienced it. Oh, my God, yeah, absolutely. And if you don't, again, your hat's off to you. That's extraordinary, but don't feel like you sound wonderful. I'm sure you're doing a great job and, yeah, it's just it's just finding that new. It's tough. Yeah, isn't it? It's tougher for women than it is for men. It definitely is. It definitely is. But also, obviously, depending on your line of work, like I even think about you being pregnant. My day to day is in front of a computer, often on Zoom. I can feel rough being pregnant and keep my camera off and kind of be in a dressing ground and be like, I have got my shit together. Everything is great. You have no idea that I'm sitting here looking like this. And I've just kind of rolled out of bed. You're on TV. (laughs) You can't have those moments like you have a totally different existence being pregnant to probably what a lot of people have to do. Do you know what, though? It's so funny that you say that. Like, I embraced it. And I was just like, my Lord, I am a big whale tired person and just like <laughs> embraced it. And I think that's relatable for people. Instead of pretending that you weren't feeling like utter shit when you were pregnant, because to be honest, I went six to 16 weeks, I was pulling over the car and vomiting out the door. And then my morning sickness came back by some like rough. Like, why? It came back at like 28 weeks with both kids and I like started feeling nauseous again. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm back here. I think I just embraced it. And also we get, you've got to remember, when we're on telly, like, we get hair and makeup. Like, I look to myself, I walk in looking like worse than shit and then someone fixes it for me. <laughs> and now I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. Not now, obviously. I want to, <laughs> you look great. You look great. I want to talk about success. And I often ask my guests, what does success mean to you now? I think it changes throughout the years. I think after you've had kids, perceptions change once again. Particularly, I like to ask ambitious people where success may have always meant one thing. Society kind of paints it to exist around money. You know, you're successful if you have certain belongings or loads of money in the bank. What does it mean to you? Gosh, you come up with the great questions. To me, now having worked, say, for my 35, so I've been working for since I was, you know, 17. So 
So 18 years, oh my God, 18 years, half my life. For me, it means I personally feel fulfilled and that I have, I'd say I'm a, I'm someone who needs to be constantly busy. And that sometimes I know I read a lot of not self-help, but you know, stuff about evaluating yourself and what that means. And yeah, that probably does mean I'm there's things in my personal being that need resolving or, you know, I can't just sit still. But having said that, as I said at the start of this, my parents have been like that their whole lives as well. Like that was always going to be generationally passed down. It's just working, working, busy, busy, whatever it is. So I think feeling fulfilled that I'm doing enough. And I think the two big measures for me at the moment are that I have a balance. I for, So for me, success at the moment, I feel successful at the moment because I've got a, that balance. I feel like my balance is right at the moment. But the other thing is that I am doing jobs that I've always wanted to do and that I absolutely love. So work's not a chore at the moment. I've found what I love. I'm really enjoying doing it. And that feels that feels successful that I'm not looking around. I said, you know how you, you said, like you're always looking for the next thing. A lot of people are like that, not just in my line of work. You know, what could I do next? Or what's the next thing that I could do? At the moment, I'm just like, I am doing it. I'm loving what I'm doing. To be honest, I haven't looked around in my own head for a while going, oh, what's the next thing I could do? Or what's the next step? I actually, maybe that's laziness, but I think that's just me being really content and where I am from a work perspective at the moment is that I'm it's being content isn't it that I'm I'm happy and I'm I don't know just not on the search for the next thing just happy (laughs) if it gets taken away from me I'll be upset but (laughs) no but I think it's rare right it's rare to have that level of contentment in professional life and personal life I think that's where everyone strives to get to do you kind of feel like you've reached this point by chance like oh I happen to have got a job right now that provides me with the perfect balance or is this something that you've sort of orchestrated because this is what's important to you right now so you've had to sort of figure out how to has it happened to you or have you influenced it a wee bit of both if you'd asked me like maybe two or three years ago if I wanted to work every Saturday I probably would have said no because I did for a period of time work Monday to Friday so I've definitely fallen into like the hours and I think I've looked at it and gone, how can I make this work for me? And if I love it as much as I do, then how can I make it work for me and my family? So it's a bit of both. Don't get me wrong. There are things that I, like, I haven't reached this point in my life where I'm like, oh, I'm all Zen and everything's great. Like there's still mornings where I wake up and I go for my run and I'm like, oh, I yelled at the kids too much yesterday <laughs> or like, oh, oh, I've got to do that bit of research that might be sitting underneath like bottom of the pile and I just haven't gotten to it yet. And I go, oh, that's pretty important. I've got to get to it. And it might be a slightly tedious bit of work that I need to do. So don't get me wrong. There's there's things that I'm constantly thinking about and wanting to improve or wanting to evolve or wanting to look at from a different perspective. Actually, it's good that I just use the word perspective because I think it actually is just the word it is your perspective as a mother you just become more I don't know just relaxed about things which helps maybe and you know you're not just as you're not as solely focused on one thing there's other little people to look after no exactly yeah I think that helps and different priorities yeah it's different priorities but also not sweating the small stuff and you know I've had a my little boy he was um, he was really premmy and he was in hospital for a long time. So that gives you some amount of perspective. I had a little girl who had the most hideous reflux and 
was medicated for the first 18 months of her life because she just couldn't stop like vomiting the poor thing. So, you know, there's things like that that give you perspective as well going, oh gosh, kids' health is, you know, really important as well. I mean, I think you've you've struck an amazing balance and it's so nice to hear someone that's like, I love what I do. I look forward to it. It's not work to me. It's rare that you come across someone yeah. with that amount of enthusiasm. To be a working mother, was that always important to you? How much of what you do is like, well, I have to financially contribute because we live in 2023 where everything is so expensive that every household kind of needs two incomes. So there's one side of it like that, but there's another that, certain women are just destined to work and that's incredibly important for them and their own kind of fulfillment and self-identity was it important for you yeah it always has been work's always been important to me I think it helps shape your identity I think it's super important in forming all different kinds of relationships with people and being able to communicate with all different types of people managing yourself managing your time managing your money Yeah, it's always been super important. I actually can't see a point in my life where I won't be working at some point. And yes, part of that is because we live in this exorbitantly expensive age where like if I had told my mum, imagine talking to my grandmother who is now passed, telling her, guess what? Say having this conversation in the 80s. In 2023, a house in Sydney is going to cost over $2 million. Can you imagine? They'll be like, are you? What is wrong with you? off that chair all of their chair so that is definitely there's a financial part to it and not even a crazy big one just like a normal a normal house yeah. oh yeah like a nice house but like you'd expect if you're spending that to be in some huge mansion but you're not <laughs> nope I mean obviously I live in an area of Sydney that I love and it is a more you know property is more expensive in the area that I live in um and that's the that's the price I pay but yeah I can't see myself ever not working which is, I mean, I, I don't think I'll be busting my balls till I'm 80, but I'll still be doing things. I'll still be tinkering. I'll still be helping. I'll still be writing or I hope to work a little bit more in not sports management, but developing sports culture. And there's other things that I want to do as time goes on, because I think working in sports media, you get a pretty great understanding of sports landscape and what that means for culture and what that means for community and media and all that kind of stuff. So there's things I, I do want to do later in life. And that's cool. Some people go, I want to retire when I'm 50. And that is good for you. If I retired when I was 50, I would be bored out of my mind. <laughs> so, and I would drive my husband mad. So <laughs> it's just the kind of person I am. That makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, I think certain people don't want to work. They want to have kids and they just want to be like 100% present. The world doesn't necessarily let all women do that if they want because of the general expense of it but I always find it interesting particularly you know you've got two kids how much of being a working mother is important um Mm. sometimes that term annoys me because I'm like how many men are like I'm a working father versus just I'm a father you're so right (laughs) and then so part of it is like annoying that I'm even saying this but I've actually never thought that (laughs) that thought has never crossed my mind that we don't say that that is disgraceful. You actually said it before. You actually used the term working father when you said something before. And I was like, oh, oh did I? You just said that. <laughs> like a prophet. <laughs> like Mr. Darwin. I think you are. <laughs> that is so <laughs> anyway, bad. And it's a bias that like I have even, we've all just, we just take on board and it's just the way that we intrinsically think and speak. 
God, that's mortifying, isn't it? It's probably majority of women are primary caregivers for a multitude of reasons. And therefore, this kind of badge of working mother becomes a one that a lot of women wear with pride because it's this kind of badge of I'm doing it. I'm got, I've got like primary care roles. I've got kids. I've got all of that pressure and a million things to juggle. And I've got a job at the same time. It's like a badge of honor almost. Whereas if you're not the primary caregiver and you're the secondary, which often a father is, it's just less of a badge. They're not necessarily juggling quite as many things. It shouldn't be that way. It should obviously be a lot more equal, but I think that's probably how this kind of working mother thing has become much more prevalent with women. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky in that, as I said earlier, like, you know, Charlie, my husband, he has the kids by himself on a Saturday. So I guess we operate in a more non-traditional way. So it's not something that I've, I think about and I sit and stew about because I'm like, oh, I have to do this or this is the way it is. And I wish it was more like this. Like we've got a great balance. So I'm lucky, but there is, I know there's a lot of women who still love their work. They financially have to work. And I don't really love the word juggle because it's not really a juggle. It's just like super great planning and organization and time allotment throughout your day for different tasks and different jobs and different time with different people or whatever it is. But the stuff that we take on, like we could, this is another conversation, but all the (laughs) washing and like, you know, he's really good at a lot of that and he does a fair bit of it. But like, if we're going to divide it, like I I'm doing more of it, but that's, I'm probably better at it. It's like hard, right? Conversation for another day. Mm -hmm. It's not relevant now. (laughs) Yeah. You have to do the classic, be terrible at it. And then someone else will be like, I'll do it because you're so bad at it. You haven't done that yet. And God bless him, Liv. Like, okay, so he will do the washing, but I've just got to show you something. Like, especially when I'm away on a, a weekend working, he'll, you know, do a few loads of washing and fold things if he can and you know try and keep the house in in general good array but this happened on the weekend this used to be down to here this jumper and now it's hello short top (laughs) (laughs) but I love it so much and I was like um you know that purple jumper and he's like yeah I go you wash it on the weekend he's like yeah 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 I washed it like really proud I was like um (laughs) (laughs) you gotta laugh a bit don't you you're very nice I wouldn't be less nice (laughs) if I was wearing that Oh, I was also like, but... you know how the washing machine, there's like a little dial and like, there's like fast wash, like um, there's cottons and then there's wool. <laughs> like that's the wool. Like you put it on the wool. <laughs> this, not cotton, this wool. <laughs> He's like, I got the point. I'm like, I'm laughing, but I am, I actually can't laugh. My husband does all the laundry. I haven't done oh, the does laundry he? Yeah, in right. quite a few years. I don't even know how a washing machine works, which makes me sound awful. I'm dividing conquer the chores. So I do like, I do all the cooking and the cleaning. So I do enough. Thank you. I do all the you cooking do. and cleaning. He does all the laundry. Great. And he, if I said to him, like, how does the hob work? I think he'd look at me like, I don't know. <laughs> and if he said to me, how does, how does the washing machine work? I would just look at him blankly. Like, I have no idea. Oh, I love it. He'd be like, the I mean, wool? It's ridiculous the how much one. you regress when you stop doing yeah. things. The wool. Exactly. I would, make sure you I would be giving you that wool. jumper, having shrunk it. <laughs> It's like a tiny. Like, like anyway, a anyways. Oh God, yeah. I wish I could chat to you for longer. I mean, you need to go to bed because it's very late where you are right now. I'm gonna go to dinner actually. But I do yeah, have one more okay. question for you. Oh, there we go. You've got dinner. What is your advice to my audience? Is ambitious working mums. They want to progress in their jobs. 
but they also want to be great moms and there's the pressure from both sides of like you need to do this to progress in your career but you you want to be there for your kids like you want to be able to witness all the milestones and whatever it is and and there's a lot to think about what is your advice to those people because you seem to have kind of struck the right balance for you what are the things that you think they should be thinking about find what works for you don't worry about what Mary down the street does or what Sue upstairs does like find what works for you I think you've got to be honest with yourself in what keeps you going like there might have been a time in my life I was like yeah I want to be like with my kids all the time which I did and then I COVID happened and I was like okay this is a lot I need work like let's be honest with myself I need to do some amounts of work so sitting and having an honest conversation with yourself I think you've got to have that honest conversation with your partner if you haven't already if you don't have a partner you know you've got to have other conversations about where you can find alternative care for children but also the support for you the support is super important those conversations need to be had about like I value this and how can we all work together as a team to make this happen how can I help you and how can you help me and then I think the other thing that has kept me motivated and healthy and keeping everything in check in my life has been I've spoken a bit about this in the past I get up at 5 a.m every day and I run I run at 5 a.m. every day and people go, that's just, what are you doing? That's my like 40 minutes, 45 minutes. I get my me time, my thinking time, my quiet time out of the way as soon as I start the day and it sets me up every day. If I didn't do that, I don't think I'd be able to manage what I'm managing at the moment at home and at work. So finding something for you and people go, oh, I don't have the time. Everyone has the time. Everyone has the time. When I was doing Commonwealth Games, I was getting up at 11 p.m. to go for my run so that I could get to work in the right frame of mind. Like that's just my thing. Yours might be yoga. It might be arts and crafts. I don't know. It might be something completely alternative, but finding just one thing for you that allows you to zone out, but also zone in. So running allows me to zone out of Mm. all the chaos, but then there'll be days where I'm, you know, I'll be on a run. I'll be like, oh, I should have handled that. But how could I handle that better if I was, you know, at work or the kids fighting, how can I maybe, how can I maybe diffuse this argument better if this were to come up across today? So zoning out and zoning in, there's something else. Everyone's got something, find it and do it. And that's valuable to you. So that's, I think that's that's a really useful tool. Mm. Yes. And I think we don't do it enough. I think particularly if you're one of those people, I'm like this, you kind of give yourself over to work. And if Mm. you're a parent, you totally give yourself over to children and the last person to be prioritized is yourself and and I think you're if you can do that one thing like you said whether it's getting up a bit earlier but even if it's just like half an hour it's half an hour to do something that's you time every day however you make it work you know and it's not necessarily like sleep or whatever it might be like I don't like mm. this thing of like oh self-care like yeah it is self-care but it's like it almost sounds I always find it feels like a bit degrading like you need to care for yourself I don't know like it sounds weird for me it's like mm. it's just my time my time what I choose to do with nobody else so again it might not be like I always thought of self-care as like I don't know go and have a massage like who's who can afford to go to I I think of it for some reason I think of self-care I think of like having a bubble bath with like yes why does it have to be that ever done (laughs) but that's what I think about and I do like having baths but like if I had a bath a day like really that'd drive me mad but finding something that you love that whether it be physical or creative or just something that you do five, six days a week might be different types of exercise, might be writing. You might be your, you know, you 20 minutes a day, you write, you journal or whatever it is. But I think everyone 
working mums, I think they could really benefit from having that one thing that helps them focus and zone in, zone out, as I say. That's how I think about it. So, but that might not resonate with other people, but that's how I think of that time. I love it. And I think I encourage people to think about, are they doing that enough? Do they have their thing? If so, what could that thing be? And I'm sure it would do wonders to anyone listening. So, Em, thank you so thank you. much. You are, thank even you, at this hour when you've had a long day, you are <laughs> a ball of energy. It's woken me up. It's only the oh. morning for me. And I thank you so much for your energy and for just sharing your amazing story of from someone who loves what they do, loves their time at home with their kids, and is genuinely happy not chasing after the next thing but is generally just still unhappy with everything they've got going on incredible to hear your story so thank you oh thank you for having me I appreciate that Liv and everyone's on different journeys and journeys there we go that word again and everybody's (laughs) got different shit going on and if there's one thing I often say like my mantra in my head in life is work hard be nice have fun nothing else matters just those three things there you go love that beautiful way to end thank you em. thank you thank you so much for listening if you liked this episode please don't forget to leave me a quick review and subscribe it helps us reach a bigger audience of women more than you know and if there is an awesome individual who needs to share their story on this podcast i would love to hear from you my details are in the description below i will see you next week